Welcome to Cabin Boy Minute, Minute 27. Here we see Kenny neglect his ship steering duties after getting knocked overboard and are reminded of the deadly turn an ocean voyage can take when margarine runs low. Get ready to set sail on Cabin Boy Minute, Minute 27. Everybody, and welcome back to Cabin Boy Minute, Minute 27. Wow, sad news. Mm. Kenny now completely goes overboard. It indeed is him, not a stunt double that uh, takes the plunge into the water. You can see his cherubic face above the water plane, sadly giving his last few words. Yes. Back first into the tank. Wonder if uh, at this point in his career, it was early enough that, uh, you know, there's no stunt doubles for Andy at that point. Well, and the stories they tell about the crew pissing in the pool and all that sounds <laughs> more horrifying than any impact would cause. True enough. You didn't swallow that, did you? Oh. I watched this minute as if I had never seen this minute before. I mean, there was, there was so much in here that... I just never noticed at all, uh, be they lines or just actions. I guess it makes sense because it is an action-packed scene and you kind of don't know where to focus. So one of those first things was uh, Nathaniel when he yells out, Paddle, you're back here and steer this boat. He's just you know, <laughs> standing there looking over, getting sprayed in the face. Again, I would think whoever is operating the, the hose or the device that they had to spray the water up on the side of the boat, guaranteed there was some satisfaction there. You know, overall, the, the action sequence, very well done. You know, I, you really feel the action happening. There's almost like a theater-like quality to it. So then we get uh, the shot of Kenny. Tell Captain Graybar, I hope he enjoys Hawaii. Still keeping in character, a nice man, Kenneth is. Always looking out for others. He's almost conceding, you know, it may have been worth it, his death, <laughs> if Captain Graybar uh, enjoys Hawaii, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. He looks at it and he's like, oh, well, but hey, at least Cappy gets to have a nice holiday. And of course, and remind him that we're almost out of margarine. With the hand coming up. Out, I like the hand that comes up out of the water as he's, you know, we'll pretend that he's sinking into the rough seas. But the one figure comes up. Oh, wait. This is important. Yeah, it does beg the question, you know, when did he first realize they were almost out of margarine? You know, is this the kind of thing where he's been repeating this in his head for the past, (laughs) you know, 20 hours so he wouldn't forget? Waiting for the proper moment. I mean, look margarine you know it's it's been one of those things uh, i know through my life maybe you guys have had the same experience i feel like every decade it flip-flops you know they tell you don't you know margarine will kill you and then it's like no butter will kill you margarine mm-hmm. will kill you and it goes back and forth butter is derived from uh dairy and is rich in saturated fats while margarine is made from plant oils so 
margarine used to be made with a lot more of those trans fats that are very, very bad for you. Um, but, you know, once we started to learn that, manufacturers started to phase out using those trans fats in their margarine for the most part. The studies show these days the healthiest option is to not use either and use liquid oils. You know, conduct your own research, of course. Uh, don't take <laughs> medical advice from Cabin Boy Minute Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> At least not on this note. Maybe, maybe some other things, but this one we're putting a disclaimer on. I just hope there is somebody out there taking medical <laughs> advice from the Cabin Boy Minute Podcast. So, I mean, who does the food shopping? You know, shouldn't they have stocked up beforehand? I mean, they were just at Doc. You know, who messed up here? So, this is the way it works. Kenny handles the shopping and handles the cooking. But Graybar is the one who controls the money and writes up the shopping list. So, when they get to port, he's got a shopping list and a budget. Gives the money to Kenny. Kenny goes shopping, comes back. After the shopping's done, then Kenny has to stay with the boat, and the crew can go out and do whatever the fuck they want. So Cappy's doing inventory? Kenny Kenny provides Cappy with the inventory, tells them whatever they're short on. Cappy reviews that, tells him what he needs to buy, gives him a shopping list, and then gives him, you know, however much money he needs to go shopping. I would like to maybe another call to action amass like the filthy whore standard operating procedure. Maybe all the forms are like Kenny-friendly. (laughs) <laughs> like what little, does that mean? Little, little pictures and like stuff like that. <laughs> My first ship's log. <laughs> it's mainly just like doodles. <laughs> That's excellent. We definitely, that, that should definitely be made. In the screenplay, Cappy says that they're going to be out for 90 days. So that's three months. Presumably, they've been only been out for two days. They should have had much more margarine. So somebody made a mistake. I, I think it's one of those situations where Kenny made an error with his inventory, or we have to lay this on Cappy's feet. He either changed their sailing plans or just overlooked the missing margarine on the inventory report. How dare you? Hey, man. <laughs> part of management is your employees' actions are ultimately your responsibility, right? Well, it was it was obviously of such importance to Kenny to make his last words that I would imagine that it was his fault. And he just had to tell him as soon as possible. I don't know. I don't I don't know if Kenny could actually like rank things in that manner. I think it would ju- it was just something in his head. And he was like, oh, <laughs> I need to inform him of this. <laughs> Did you know that margarine is referred to as Marge in Britain and Australia? And margarine uh, developed in France in 1869 as an alternative to butter due to a challenge that was issued by Emperor Napoleon III. And there have been many, many years of legal battles between the dairy and margarine industries. What are the basis of these legal battles? Margarine trying to uh, position itself as a butter replacement and the dairy companies trying to uh, wage legislative war against the uh, margarine to keep them away from the butter and everything else on the supermarket shelves so consumers wouldn't be confused. Christ, what kind of world do we live in? (laughs) (laughs) One with Cabin Boy, so at least we have that. Right. So drowning is the third leading cause of unintentional injury death worldwide accounting for 7% of all injury-related deaths 
an estimated 320,000 annual drownings worldwide. Wow. So, uh, watching this scene again, it occurred to me, Nathaniel does nothing to even try to save Kenny. Nothing. There was a life ring right there. It would have been <laughs> relatively easy. I mean, it, clearly, Kenny, it's not like Kenny was pulled, you know, a mile away from the ship in 10 seconds. He's sitting there long enough to have a conversation. <laughs> he could have thrown the... Even even if when the crew comes up the steps, if at least the first thing he says is, <laughs> hey, Kenny just went overboard. I mean, th- there might be a chance to save him. I feel at this point he's complicit in Kenny's death. I mean, obviously, I know he steered the course away, but forget about that. I mean, maybe he didn't know that this was going to happen. But I mean, he, he could have done something to save Kenny. He tried to encourage him to swim back to the ship. Yeah, come back and then the very end he like waves his hand like towards him <laughs> i must say very good acting on mr elliot's part there mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i mean because this isn't like silly acting this is actual acting he could hold his own yeah. he's 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 overacting a bit but and yeah, now there's no no effort made by Nathaniel. He just watches him sink under the waves. Now, you know, it's possible that Kenny has gotten pushed far enough away from the boat that it would be at least a little difficult. But as you said, he doesn't try to, like, grab a line or anything like that. He's just screaming. I'm going to start to refer to this as Kenny's murder scene. I mean, <laughs> I mean, the second his head goes underwater, Graybar's up out of the little wooden gates of the stairs. I mean, again, they would have prioritized getting Kenny out. Now, could, would they have saved him? Who knows? But there definitely would have been much better chance had they even known. Well, to come to Nathaniel's defense, you know, he's clearly not trained for uh, surviving on a ship in rough seas. I mean, maybe he would have some idea what to do on a cruise ship, but a sailboat just, just has no clue what to do. He's in shock, right? He's confused he's scared he doesn't know how to process the situation it's the first time he's ever done anything like this you know while a trained seaman would know to go grab the life ring grab a rope somehow do something to help kenny nathaniel has no idea he possibly is frozen in fear and i don't think you can hold that against him to the point of saying you know this was murderous somehow um, I think it is it is a unfortunate and sad situation. I think Nathaniel could weasel out of any legal case that was brought against him to hold him complicit in Kenny's death, although there might be a minor argument for manslaughter. Yeah, I, I mean, I surprisingly do agree with you. Yeah, I mean, once you say it like that, he is out of his element. I, I mean, I, you know, you want to think like, OK, somebody's dying that his instinct i mean if we take this back to the psychological analysis that we've been giving nathaniel throughout this entire movie i mean and even the the things he's saying are all about himself like get back here and steer the boat you know i mean he's so clouded by even to bring it to the quote right uh, his folly you know it doesn't even register that he's supposed to look out for somebody else's welfare or whatever it is yeah 
I mean, I, I think it in no way reflects positively on Nathaniel, but uh, I was just thinking if I was, uh, you know, going to step up as Nathaniel's lawyer, you can easily argue from a legal perspective he's not complicit. And I think even from, you know, taking the legal question out of it, if you assume that he's in some kind of level of shock and confusion, you know, there there's maybe even a moral question of how much of a failing was it that he wasn't able to save Kenny? And that, that part's, I think, a little arguable. All right. So then uh, Cappy comes charging up the stairs. Again, love, love the way he delivers every single one of his lines. Quickly says, secure that boom. Followed by Big Teddy. Aye, aye, cap. A boom is a spar, which I guess is another sailing word for a pole, along the foot of a fore and aft rigged sail. So I guess the foot just means the bottom of the sail. That greatly improves control of the angle and shape of the sail. The primary action of the boom is to keep the foot flatter when the sail angle is away from the center line of the boat. In line with Cabin Boy's crack research team, the second leading cause of death on sailboats is directly attributed to the use of booms. Hmm. No, it's not that crazy that Kenny would uh, fall to his demise, perhaps influenced by Nathaniel, although not uh, (laughs) convicted for... These booms cause lots of different uh, injuries, either directly or by sweeping people overboard, like we see. And just their associated hardware and lines represent tripping hazards. Even when stationary, booms are hazardous because you need to duck under them. And as we see, when after Big Teddy goes over to secure the boom, you kind of see him ducking under the boom to uh, secure it. Which it does seem like that's a stunt double for Big Teddy. It doesn't look anything like him when he's ducking underneath. Hmm. According to a German study, boom strike was the most common cause of sailing injury overall. Boom strike. Yeah. That's a a good band name right there. I don't know when this was... Uh, put into effect, but as a precaution, any sailboat with a low boom, such as the Filthy Whore, should mandate the use of life jackets. That's how mm. dangerous they are. Mm. I, I could see the Filthy Whore being an old enough vessel to be grandfathered in to whatever that rule was put in place. Uh, Kenny pays the price. Mm. To that, though, I found a list of recommendations from the U.S. Coast Guard as what one should do when hitting rough seas in a boat. So very first thing, all passengers should get in life jackets and uh, put on whatever safety gear is available. So the crew comes up on deck and immediately fails in that first step. All hatches and ports should be secured. Uh, Any loose gear needs to be secured. Uh, You should get the uh, bilge pumps going to get any water out of the boat because the sloshing of the water can increase the roll of the boat and potentially cause it to capsize. And we do Uh, see it's filled with water and sloshing at this point. mm -hmm. Dangerous. Uh, You should get a fix on your position as quickly as possible. Monitor channel 16 for any news from the uh, U.S. Coast Guard. Uh, Ready an anchor in case there's a possibility of securing the boat. Turn on your navigation lights. 
reduce your speed and steer into the wind at about a 45 degree angle if possible maintain a lookout for any debris and uh, if all else fails review procedures for abandoning ship sounds like sound advice and should be added to the operating manual <laughs> yes it would be helpful because uh, i don't know if they do any of that big teddy doesn't put his life jacket on but he does notably put his gloves on <laughs> he's got the gloves back on he takes the time <laughs> to put his gloves on which, when I saw that, I was like, what's up with these gloves, you know? So I looked into it, and, I mean, it is a thing. Sailing gloves. Sailing yeah. gloves, they protect your hand from abrasion and blisters from handling the lines. I mean, it, it seems to make a lot of sense to wear gloves. And, in fact, so much sense. Why are all the other guys not wearing them? I mean, I feel like that seems like an essential piece of equipment. I wonder if it's one of those things where if you're like a, like an old sailor, like an old tough guy... You don't wear gloves, but Big Teddy is big and dangerous enough that Big Teddy wants to wear gloves. He's going to wear gloves. Nobody's going to give him any shit. Yeah, I, I, I was thinking maybe he has some sort of like eczema or something that <laughs> that really would hurt his hands a lot more than the average <laughs> sailor. You know, Possible. I mean, he clearly has some form of consumption. So uh, <laughs> you know, maybe he has a whole long list of ailments. We don't know what's going on with his feet. <laughs> My favorite part of this scene comes up in this around this area where Paps charges out of the out of the stairs. I mean, he's just madly screaming as he comes out of the stairs. <laughs> I, I laughed out loud every single time I watched the scene. I knew Paps was crazy, but I never appreciated the, the full depth of his madness. Oh, yeah. It's awesome. Comes out, he comes out, he's just, ah! <laughs> and he just starts running around with his hands in the air. But yet he still does his job. You know, he holds the, the boom steady in place. So, uh, you know, Big Teddy doesn't have to fight it as much. All right, so then Nathaniel sneaks in a little, uh, stop this insanity. <laughs> yeah, that's another great line. I also like the way they translate Nathaniel screaming in the closed captioning. <laughs> The oo-hoo, Who yells shit? Skunk. Skunk. skunk? Definitely yeah. skunk, yeah. You see the, you see the I, arms go up. All right, so then Nathaniel says, I don't like this. Again, <laughs> I guess this is his third statement professing how he uh, does not like the situation he's in. <laughs> ah! Then he gets sprayed in the face and cries. Through this all... A lot of great action from Nathaniel. I mean, he just seems like he's, like, wandering around the ship, panicked. So we see a shot of the chart is rolled up with uh, four beer cans and, uh, again, a bagel. <laughs> <laughs> Pumpernickel. <laughs> right no, back. Not, not a bagel or a donut. Uh, one of those little <laughs> line buoys you know, washing around on the deck. Big Teddy grabs it. All the sailors uh, gather round. I like how Skunk is. Skunk has the wheel, but he's just sort of like randomly moving it back and forth. <laughs> like he's not actually. It's, it doesn't look like it's serving any purpose. It's more of like, oh yeah, I got the wheel cap. We do see the skull on the map and above it written Hell's Bucket. Hell's Buckets. So they pull up the chart, lay it down. You can see the course, quote-unquote, that Kenny has laid out on the chart. 
which is a series of dash lines that makes almost uh, like an arc across the uh, map, going from the lower half of the map, kind of curling up towards the right-hand side of the chart, and then turning back to the left, which, in combination with the compass rose, looks like it's a like a west-northwest course that he has set the ship on. Is Hell's Bucket an area, or is Hell's Bucket the island and the surrounding area? Hell's Bucket is the area. It's because the, the, the course takes the ship through Hell's Bucket, and I think we can have enough faith in uh, Kenneth that he would not try to sail the ship through land. So then that would mean that the depths of Hell's Bucket make some sort of skull shape. It's either that or the map is describing an area, like I was thinking something like the Sargasso Sea. You know, Sargasso Sea is more of like, a, you know, an area of the ocean, right, where you get all that kind of seaweed and stuff floating around in there. So maybe that would be delineated somehow on a map where you would know the general border of it. You know, it's like the, the boundary of a state on a land map, right? Perhaps Hell's Bucket is, uh, is an independent country. I mean, when you look at the map, it looks like somebody followed those bathymetric contours with a red crayon and kind of followed them to create this skull or at least accentuate the Mm. skull. There is some sort of physical features in the shape of a skull is what I'm getting at. My, My guess would be that similar to like a nation or a state on a map, you look at, you know, something like, uh, I don't know, Mississippi or something like that, right? Part of the border of Mississippi is the Mississippi River. So as opposed to like a straight line that delineates the border, it follows kind of this natural formation on the land that it's situated on. Perhaps Hell's Bucket is some sort of nation state. And the borders that we're seeing on the map indicate the borders of the nation of Hell's Bucket. And some of those borders correlate with the bathymetric contours. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps the island. I mean, I, the island itself, I would be curious to see whose jurisdiction that lies under. Mulligans. All right, the screenplay. So a, a little different in the screenplay. They do not have this whole chart conversation in the middle of the storm. This happens the next day at dawn, where it says the fishing boat is now on calm waters. Everything appears more colorful. The sky is bright pink and the ocean is a deep technicolor blue. The sea now seems strange and mysterious. And and that's when they go through this whole bit about, uh, you know, looks like Kenny got it in his head to take us off course. So it's that all happens in the next day. In the commentary, you know, they get into this whole conversation about the budget Mm -hmm. Uh, Adam Resnick starts saying, keep in mind, if Tim had directed this, the budget would have been five times easily. So everything would have looked different. Yeah, we actually get a we get a hard number there where they said it was a little less than nine million for the budget is what it came in at. They, They had to essentially problem solve like as they were moving forward. Right. Because they never changed the script and they just started moving. And it was like, oh, shit. Like, how do we accomplish these things with less money, which, again, kind of gives it that weird, like, semi-theatrical feel to it, where you can't go full on with the special effects, 
So you got to bring in your sort of stagecraft to try to produce what you want to a certain extent. And then Resnick's kind of saying, well, you know, the money that they gave us was kind of what they were giving all these B comedies at the time. And I did look up the ref, which was, you know, right around this time. They had $11 million for the ref. So, you know, a little more, but somewhat there. But again, think about how many special effects are in the ref as compared to what they're doing in Cabin Boy. So, you know, buy some rope. (laughs) Right. I would say, in summary, he's right. You know, I mean, the the budget was a real problem. The challenges that were put in place ended up creating a unique product. So, you know, I think you can say that there was value there. So one thing to note is that Kenny going into the water and the mast breaking is akin to kind of the big climax scene in Captain's Courageous near the end, where the boat in Captain's Courageous also has the mast breaking, And then the Manuel character who befriends the little shit uh, who is the protagonist of Captain's (laughs) Courageous, uh, he ends up going down into the water with the mask because he was climbing on top of it, and he ends up drowning, having to go underneath. So it does also provide a bridge from kind of the traditional, you know, call to Captain's Courageous of the spoiled kid getting lost on the boat, and then the mask goes down, and you have this big transition. But as opposed to ending the movie, in this case they go into hell's bucket yeah they should be happy the the creators of captain's courageous i mean they they do get quite the spirit of the movie in a lot of different places including that oh yeah absolutely all right so on to our questions who wins the scene i have nathaniel he just holds this together in the most irresponsible selfish awful way it's wonderful he he's the worst person and he's just he really he really does a good job of it yeah. yet hopefully points out that the best is broken yes i as well have nathaniel again just focusing on him just all of his great acting is spot on he really adds a lot to this scene but uh, you can miss it though he gets lost in in kind of all the action that's happening so again recommendation is to just watch nathaniel through this minute also have Nathaniel winning the scene, unanimous there. Tossing out honorary mentions to Kenny for his last living scene. And uh, Paps <laughs> for just being awesome. <laughs> just screaming. My call to action here is you've, you've seen or heard of like people doing these like Rocky Horror picture shows at midnight where mm-hmm. the you know the audience actually like acts out different parts and everything but maybe using some of these uh, theatrical production notes that we're coming up with and kind of that next dimension of cabin boy rather than just trying to you know get people to come you know watch cabin boy like putting this extra level to cabin boy that we are kind of orchestrating a bit and getting that excitement around in this new kind of way to experience in a 4d if you will of cabin boy i like it so it's like you have everybody you know you get people dressing up you have sort of the action on the screen extending from the movie you can serve beer and fish sticks yeah and uh that could work get uh you yep. know when, when the storms come in you start spraying down the theater with uh you know water and stuff like that and get all crazy with it yeah we could do that cabin boy experience well when he's he's up dancing and that and and everybody's throwing their beer cans up up at him they're in <laughs> yep. 
All right. Well, anyone uh, tuck away in their christening wig, a philosophical pondering? You know, I was just thinking, I, I feel like uh, Nathaniel's reaction to the to the storm and everything that's happening, it feels like he doesn't have good tools for managing fear, right? Like, he, he's probably rarely encountered something that, like, actually scared him, and he doesn't know what to do about that. The, the situation goes out of control, and he shuts down in a way in that he, he can't do anything functional, right? He's literally just running around screaming. Right, and, and that's kind of why I was willing to give him the benefit of the doubt when it came to, you know, why he shouldn't be held liable for not helping, because he, he does convincingly seem completely out of sorts and unable to conduct himself, let alone try and help anybody else. He does not seem equipped. Well, I guess this is the whole point, right? He can deal with the regular world, the limo driver. He can levy lawsuits. He can do whatever. But if he's going to be in a fist fight or, you know, out on an ocean and needs to fix a boat, I mean, he's just fucked. There's nothing that's going to save him. Yeah, his skill set is not suited to the environment that he's in. Although, so again, he has this like crazy chaotic situation going on and his reaction is to run around screaming. Is that like intrinsic to his character? Is that something that, you know, if he were a different type of person, he might react differently to it? Or is it, you know, if you dropped anybody, like if you dropped one of us onto that boat where all of a sudden it's like, you know, you're in the middle of a storm, the boat's going up and down, somebody goes overboard. Are most people just going to either freeze up or freak out? Or is there a certain type of person who can actually have some control of themselves in those situations? I think it comes down to experience, like you were saying. I mean, I, I don't think he's ever had any sort of, whether recreationally or professionally, um, where he's ever had to deal with a situation of this magnitude and perhaps never even entertained it as a possible scenario. I believe that there are probably extraordinary people that would instinctually, just for their whatever, love of mankind, whether they've been in a situation like that or not, would respond and react in a very different way. Yeah, for the purposes of, you know, again, going back to crafting a cabin man. So then you, you would need to somehow find ways to present people with situations like these in like a controlled manner, right? Give them an opportunity to try to like weather a storm. You know, but do it in a way in which there's a safety net there, but they're still having to operate and learn how to react and deal with uh, with these types of situations. All right, gigs per minute. I had a GPM of eight. Paddle your rump. Kenny just in the water. His two lines in the water. Stop the insanity. Paps just yelling. Nathaniel with, I don't like this. Him yelling in general, I gave another gag, just all the stuff he's doing on the deck. Graybar's line saying, Kenny doesn't take a leak without telling me. And then I had Hell's Bucket as a gag, just because it's a silly thing on the map. GPM of eight. I've got six. Uh, One is Paddle Your Rump. Two is uh, Tell Captain Graybar I hope he enjoys Hawaii and remind him that, that we're almost out of margarine. Number three is Stop the Insanity. Number four the mindless screaming from Nathaniel. Number five is when he says, I don't like this. And number six is when Captain Graybar says he's dumb, but he don't take a leak before telling me. Okay. 
Yeah, again, all very similar, but I had seven. Uh, paddle your rump over here, number one. Number two, tell Captain we're out of margarine. Number three, stop the insanity. Number four was Paps, charging out insanely. Number five was Nathaniel pointing at the mast. Um, number six, I don't like this. And he does like a little cry afterwards. That's nice. And then, yes, uh, Graybar's little exchange. He's dumb, but he won't take a leap. And so we have a average GPM then of seven. Brian, you win GPM for this week, and you have earned yourself a uh, life ring. Congratulations. Oh, thanks. I will start weighing whether I will throw it out to save either of you <laughs> if, if presented with the situation. <laughs> All right. Funny, not funny. I went with funny. Funny. Uh, when I first watched it, I was like, yeah, probably not going to go funny on this. And then uh, the more I watched the scene and just saw the level of detail that was going on and the things that I missed, it really does hold up as a, as a funny scene. All right. Well, thank you very much for joining us here on Cabin Boy Minute 27. We will see you next week on Cabin Boy Minute 28. Adios. Bye-bye. Thank you again for joining us on Cabin Boy Minute. Please help spread the word, tell your friends about us, and rate and subscribe on your podcast medium of choice. Check out our episode notes where you can find calls to action, details on how to support the pod, or leave us a message. Or find us on Twitter at at Minute. We look forward to joining you again next week. Bon voyage!